while women who write take flight. As women who write, we recognize the importance of supporting one another because together we are stronger. Our goal is to provide this support through discussions about developing character, setting, plot, and dialogue. We will include interviews, panel discussions, and informal chats. Our team of Wild Women includes Gabby Anderson, author of South of Happily, a novel that started as a love letter to a lost parent and turned into a story about staying sane when life tries to shove us to the business end of a meat grinder. She is currently writing the second book in this series, North of Happily. Kim Connery, author of the sci-fi romance Stealing Aries and the memoir, You're Not a Murderer, You Just Have OCD. She also writes a blog to bring awareness to OCD at harmocdkimconnery.com. April Dilbeck, author of A Sacred Thing, a detective story about the theft of an African shaman's mask that leads the readers from the Congo to the elite world of New York art dealers and collectors. Elizabeth Jones, author of literary fiction and our resident MFA in creative writing. And Kathy Nichols, author of The Sometimes Sister, a psychological thriller that explores the bonds of sisterhood and life after loss. Our flight is organic and our journey is ongoing. We invite you to join us along the way. Today we have with us Jeanette Watts. She is a dance instructor, writer, seamstress, actress, and a very, very poor housekeeper. She loves writing historical fiction. By way of introduction, I would like to read from Deborah DeMall's review in Smile Politely from the University of Illinois College of Fine and Applied Arts. Deborah says, when I began, my dearest Miss Fairfax, I thought I knew what to expect, a clever diversion, a comfortable, well-written and easy consumed read, but happily I was wrong. There is much to chew on here in this considerable feast. If you haven't yet read Austin's source material, I suggest you do, it will greatly enrich your experience of Watts' novel. Jeanette Watts does not merely write about life and literature in Georgian era Britain, she lives it. A quick dip into Google reveals Watts' passion for historical dance, which drives her descriptions as well as the dance classes she teaches. And this level of author immersion translates into a prose style that feels natural to the time without being awkward or self-conscious. In less capable hands, an attempt at this kind of literary spinoff would have been far less successful. Watts' significant understanding of Georgian era literary and cultural history, coupled with her insights into the less than romantic realities her characters inhabit, make her a natural 21st century heir to the Austin verse. From moments escape into seaside strolls and elegant balls to uncompromising critiques of Georgian era values, my dearest Miss Fairfax is the smart girl's summer read. Other works by Jeanette Watts include Brains and Beauty, Wealth and Privilege, A Woman's Persuasion, and Jane Austen Lied to Me, which I understand, right, Jeanette, that Jane Austen Lied to Me is being re-released. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, yes. So now that my dearest Miss Fairfax is, you know, out the door, on the shelves, and, and released, 
now I have, I thought I would take a moment to do some cleanup. Uh, Jaina Austin lied to me was, uh, I mean, it's only been five years, but besides just a couple of tweaks, like misspellings that you find in there that make you crazy and say, no, how could by five, I had, I always have everything proofread and edited so many times and things still get missed. And then they, it makes you crazy every time you come across it. So besides just a little cleanup like that, marketing tool right now so you've seen the covers so it's like a cartoon with a couple of characters probably faceless and it's like primary colors and so forth well my cover just doesn't say this is a romantic comedy the way that those do so i had uh, my husband who's always my graphic artist uh, redid the cover art for me so it fits right in with today's genre uh, expectations so, so we don't go missing people. So that is going to be re-released on June 8th. And uh, that will come with a special release price. So anybody, any of your listeners who go to, uh, to, to find me on Amazon on June 8th, 9th, 10th, I will have it for sale for about a week. I will have the ebook out for 99 cents and I will have the hard copy since I prefer a hard book in my hands. I will discount the hard copies of the book as much as I can as well before I bump them up to the, a normal price. Well, that's wonderful. And speaking of discounts and special mm -hmm. prices, we hear you have a discount for our listeners. Can you tell us about that? I do. So I've also got the, I have now had my dear Miss, dearest Miss Fairfax out since March, but uh, I've, and so we had the, like the, the first month special release price, get the book cheap, write me a review, please write me a review. Reviews are important. So, and then it, then when the prices went up, well, for you guys, I'm going to drop, I'm dropping the price for a limited time only, but for a week, you can also get my dear Miss Fairfax, either hard copy or ebook. I will also have reduced so that your listeners can grab a copy. So I'll have the, a 99 cent ebook. And I, I, I forget what I'm able to put the price at. I have been playing in Amazon so much and asking so many questions that I've confused myself thoroughly on how to market books. And now, now all my facts are, are, are confused. I first met Jeanette at the 2019 Decatur Book Fest. Yes. And it was the coolest thing. She showed up in this gorgeous dress. And I guess that was your husband that was with you. And he was in period mm -hmm. costume as well. And I, I said, can I please get a picture with you two? You just look <laughs> wonderful. And you had your parasol and just mm -hmm. gorgeous dress. And um, oh. I'm going to put that picture on our Wild Women Instagram. Just for you, I had to, I do have, your listeners can't see this because we're, we're doing this over Zoom, but I have a new bonnet. Oh, it's gorgeous. <laughs> Green That's and champagne. And, and I even have a new Spencer to go with it. So a neighbor of mine gave me a couple leftover bits of fabric. She's cleaning up her things. And by taking every last scrap, I mean, the fact that the two green, the velvet and the wool go together perfectly, it, it was just serendipity. She's like, here, have some stuff. She obviously has a favorite color or shade of green. And I now have a bonnet and Spencer for the next time I'm out there. <laughs> a Spencer. So Spencer is a type of jacket. Yes, those, those short-waisted jackets that you always see in all the Jane Austen era things, it's called a Spencer, kind of like Lady Diana Spencer. 
Gotcha. So that's, it's that's gorgeous. what the short tracks. Thank you. Oh, it's... I love it so much. And you know, I was wondering, did you first fall in love with Jane Austen's world? Did, did you first become immersed in the world or the writing? Which came first or did they both happen at the same time? How did that come about? Wow, that's a really good question. Because for the, those of you that don't know, um, Jeanette also, she participates in these, these dances where people are dressed, all of them are dressed in yep. period outfits. It, they're just beautiful. Some of her Instagram posts of these balls and was the 12th night um, was one I oh. said. <laughs> yes gorgeous oh they're just beautiful and they decorate it like it's like you're in Austin's world so mm -hmm. it got me to thinking you know did the immersion in the world happen first and then the writing or you know there it's sort of the conversion it's a it's a collision of two of multiple things all conspiring at once um, I am a dance historian and I have uh, this insane love of dancing it's uh, in, in my universe, I live in this beautiful universe where everybody is a dancer and we all, whatever era I'm doing, everybody makes an effort. Let's say we're doing an 1860s dance and everyone is going to come wearing hoop skirts and the men are in suits and they all have, everybody has gloves on and the music will all be from the 1860s and the dances will all be from the 1860s. And even if all you've got is a thrift store prom dress and some, you know, wedding, old wedding hoops, the end result when everybody makes an effort is absolute magic absolute magic I, I i love that universe this alternative universe i live in that is there's this shining beautiful place and it's as she's as she's seen several of my posts it can be anywhere there i go to dances all over the place i was calling a dance in north carolina two weekends ago and they decided that was a group I'd started in Charlotte while we lived there and then we moved away, but the group is, has persisted. And they decided that off us at the Victorian Christmas ball we do, which is complete immersion in Charles Dickens, what it's like then, they decided we're going to do uh, the Queen's ball because it's the Queen City. But every year it's gonna be a different monarch. This time it was Queen Elizabeth and I have this big Regency purple and gold dress and I, and I did Queen Elizabeth. But next year it might be Queen Titania and it might be Queen Charlotte and it might, so it could be anything in literature. It could be historical or fantasy, or I'm absolutely expecting some sort of queen of the Borg or something like that to show up one of these years. And then I'll have to figure out how I'm costuming for that. But every time that immersion in the, that universe with, it affects people's manners. It, it just the little things that people do differently when they're immersing themselves for that moment of magic. So that is like this one universe I live in. On the other side, I'm a writer. I love telling stories. I have been writing down little stories for my friends in fourth grade and you know, writing ever since. And so coming into the Austin verse is the one uh, reviewer put it, Jane is such a combination. I should, you know, notice this is, I should, I, I'm trying to get myself to stop doing that. Jane Austen, people refer to as Jane, they're Janeites, but nobody talks about Mark Twain and calls him Mark. 
So this familiarity we have that sometimes it's like, ooh, I'm, I'm trying to treat uh, Miss Austin like an adult and, and uh, just because she's, is it because she's a woman? Is it because, you know, what's the story? Let's, I'm trying to fix that and, and use Austin. Once they pointed that out that everybody calls her Jane, but we don't get on a first name basis with other writers. May I say <laughs> that one thing I noticed and when I noticed this, maybe seven eight years ago uh -huh. I was like wait a minute we are more likely to to say of a grown woman that girl if we're referring to a woman we're more likely to say girl but if we're referring to a grown man we won't say boy you know but if we that would we be might say girl even if it's a grown woman you know yep. us girls are gonna whatever us girls uh -huh. But most of the time, you wouldn't say boy because that's a man. Yeah. Now, <laughs> so it, I think it might be the same thing with Jane Austen. It could be. You know? It could be. Now, we do have this, especially with the the you know, women girls thing, which is certainly a certain generation you do you you know you you use women. But there's this age thing where women don't want to get old. Oh my God, I'm getting wrinkles. Ah, you know whatever it is. Oh, I'm old now. I you know, can't my figure, my face, my whatever it is. My, oh my God, my gray hair. Men are less obsessed with the youth thing than females are. We, they don't have an industry selling them stuff to hide aging. So there is an element that I could see that a woman not wanting to confront the fact that she's not a girl anymore would is okay with being called a girl because it's it's you know my you know i still have my girl's complexion whatever the whatever we all have our angst you know it's it's sort of a way to avoid acknowledging our angst about aging and you know we value youth in females more than we value youth in males so it is this natural cult nat nat natural nasty cultural bind we have put ourselves in as a, as a former English teacher, I will say, we always refer to Jane Austen as Austen. I mean, we, Austen and Dickens and, and uh, the whole uh, group of, well, all authors, we refer to them by their last name. And I feel like I really would have said, had so much more success teaching Jane Austen if I'd gotten you to come into the classroom uh, because uh, I, I, Dickens was a bit of a hard sell. We did um, Great Expectations and it took so much to get the kids to understand parts of it were funny. You know, that kind of humor, which I think you do such a beautiful job of- well, thank you. Uh, yeah, of working into your uh, Miss Fairfax and but it's subtle and it and it's generationally removed so it was a little harder to get them to do that and one of the activities we offered we had you know the dickens society i had i had the kids write an alternative ending to great expectations because he wrote two. Oh my gosh uh -huh. yeah and, and so i said and they had to write it in the dickens style and one of my students, oh, so good. He got like an honorable mention in the contest and he was in the ninth grade. So, wow. you know, it, we had some fun with it, but not as much fun as you have with uh, Austin and her, her world. And it's too bad that we didn't because so much of what you have in your book, oh, well, like Emma, you know, Emma became uh, clueless 
And there's so much that you capture that could easily be related to young people in love, but, and, and it just sort of shows, it, it creates a commonality between the writing then and life now, which is so essential when you're trying to turn kids, especially on to reading something that at first glance is totally foreign to them. So have you been into the classrooms? Have you done the dance with the kids? I, I know you, they, they have come to you, but you'd be a hit going in. <laughs> oh, I, I love, I love teaching kids. I have been, um, oh my gosh, the first time I got my own captive audiences among kids was probably while we were, I was living in Pittsburgh. Every Saturday I was, there was a YMCA that had me out to teach uh, international folk dances and First, you come in, we started talking. They were watching. Oh, first, we talk about Power Rangers, but they were watching Cinderella one time when I came in. And I said, Okay. And it's like, Has everybody seen it before? No spoilers. Yes, they've seen it. And it's like, All right. So, does anybody else get bothered by the fact that when the wicked stepmother comes up, she grabs the door and she's closing the door in slow motion? And Cinderella sits there going, Oh, no, wicked stepmother, don't lock me in here rather than get out of the chair, run to the door, push the door and run down the stairs. And the kids are like, ah, uh, now that you mention it. And now we have some rapport. Now we know we can speak the same language. And now when I say, hey, let's talk about what kids were doing dance-wise in this context, they understand that these are always, always current context. And so, yeah, it's true as dancing. I love, I've had so many context where I've taught kids about, you know, it's 1860s, here's some, here's the dances. And it's 1803, here's the dances. I'm actually working right now on a series of dance manuals that I want to um, have published for historians like house museums and historical museums, historical societies and reenactors. Nobody knows much about the dancing of their, whichever era they're portraying. And I really do have the start of a guide so that if your museum is set is is around a house built in 1803, like the one I was uh, docent for in North Carolina, you, you, when you had those fourth grade classes in studying local history, let's talk about dancing in 1803. So that is it is something we um, that I am like working on because it matters a lot to me. But yeah, all these stories, all of Jane Austen is completely current. You know, these are the angst of young folks. I mean, Lizzie Bennett admits finally to Lady uh, Catherine de Bourgh that she is, you know, she's not yet one in 20, I believe is the expression. You know, so this is a 20 year old doing battle with the universe. All of these stories are very, they're, they're young. They're dealing with matters of the heart. They're dealing with the limited circumstances, the limited options they have available to them. It's actually a theme that runs through a lot of things. Just imagine um, Mrs. Bennett. I, I actually have an essay that has been published on Mrs. Bennett. My, I love Mrs. Bennett. Here she is, she's raised, she's had five daughters. She's a hypochondriac. She's kind of, oh, usually as a sort of a comic villain character, you know, mildly villainous, if you want to call it that, whatever. But this woman, is ruthless and ambitious. And what could she accomplish if she, she had more options available to her than make babies and try to get them married off well? You know, she wouldn't have just been a good lawyer. She would have run the law firm. 
I was thinking that when I was reading Miss Fairfax, uh -huh. uh, my dearest Miss Fairfax, uh, when the Jane is going to be a, a governess and, a governess, and she's just yes. kind of accepting that and, and she's got this best friend, all of these options, which are not great options either when you come down to it. It's like no. probably marrying somebody you're not super crazy about to, to fulfill your duty. She just, the, the, just accepted and I'm reading it wondering, thinking back to my own start of career back some time ago when you could be a secretary and it wasn't an administrative assistant then, it was a secretary. Right. You could be a teacher, you could work in insurance. I mean, there were a limited amount of things you could do. And that was with college, you yeah. know, and it's like, we just sort of accepted it. She can become a prostitute. That was a career out there that women could do. You know, you have no options. You can get married. Well, you can't get married without a dowry and she doesn't have a dowry. What, what options do you have? So, you know, marriage is about the only thing, but she's never going to be able to get married. So governess is the thing. I'm finding it fascinating watching uh, the, both Sanditon and Bridgerton this season brought up governess as a, and they, the way they treated it so cavalierly, they treated it like a summer job at McDonald's. And it's just like, no, women did not want to become governesses. This is not a pleasant career choice. You are going to be taking on this role in which you are going to be completely isolated. The only human beings that you, you have no peers. You can't go eat with the servants because you are above the servants and class stratification is so important. It would, it would have been unpleasant for everyone if you said, I don't like these conventions. I'm going to flaunt the conventions and I'm just going to eat with the servants. The servants would be like, well, lady, what, what are you doing here? Are you here to spy on us? Wow. Just what are you doing here? It would not have been good for them. She would have been eating with people below her station and she's already sunk in her station in life. She's the daughter of a gentleman, but there's no money. So here she is being stuck, having to earn money, which was considered a disgraceful thing for a woman to be doing. You, know, you couldn't eat with your, I mean, occasionally you, you would eat with your uh, employer, kind of like, you know, once in a while you might be invited to the boss's house for dinner. Once in a while you would eat with the boss, but this was a rare thing. The rest of the time, it's you and your charges. Your job is to be a round the clock babysitter. So when like Charlotte in Sanditon is walking to work and walking home from work and going to the ball on Saturday, no, no, and no you didn't do that and one of the things i found have been finding interesting is the more you read about this we tend to go oh jane never got married in real life jane austen never got married poor jane right. and i'm like wait a minute i'm not so sure that was such a horrible thing i almost felt like she and her sister were happy to be felt that poor jane and poor charlotte it was more like they you don't get to pick who you marry and you don't get there might be love involved but very unlikely that there would be love and attraction involved which I thought with Bridgerton I did think that was amusing when the those really attractive young girls and they're having these old guys these oh god you know like and I'm like yeah that would be much more realistic a young woman needs the, to be under the protection and the governance 
of a mature older man and good for him, not so great for her. So I, I felt like I kind of flipped up my um, understanding of the time period and the fact that you want a love story, but is it a love story? You know, it, <laughs> yeah, that's not really love. The, so the love thought, matches are all over region, uh, over Regency romances and historical romances. It's all I want a love match. I'm not just marrying for money. I want a love match. And and even the conversations in Pride and Prejudice about I'm going to marry for love. And Lizzie says, you're going to you're going to be the one to marry well because you're the pretty one. And I'll just you know, you're going to have lots of kids and I'll just be your, their aunt Lizzie who will teach them how to sew and, you know that is and you know do those sort of things so that and was yeah it's 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 funny because I feel like um sometimes we read and we think well women we've changed so much and then well we've got this wood house and and uh the little gossip and the little you know just can't even bear to talk to her but you have to and and all of those yeah. little convention things that you've got going on. It's just a really fun book. And that's Thank the, you. the hard thing, I think, for a lot of people to realize. If you don't know who Jane Austen is and you've never read Jane Austen, you're still going to love your book because it's fun. And you can you can get into the, the female characters and you can even kind of have a sense of understanding for the men a little bit, even though we don't know as much about them, nor do we need to. You know, but uh, but at the same time, I do felt like I felt some um, empathy, I guess, for some of those situations they were in. So I highly recommend everyone check out these delightful forays into the past that are connected so well to the present. And would you go uh, just kind of review for us what what readers need to be looking for, where they can find your books, where you're going to be? Okay, well, yes, my dearest Miss Fairfax is available on on Amazon is the quickest, easiest place to to uh, to get them. I am uh, getting them on Smashwords so that they'll be available in all sorts of other ebook formats besides Kindle. I am not as good with how you find Smashwords because I'm still getting them loaded up. <laughs> I'm sure but, you can Google it. <laughs> yeah, that's this is true. This is true. And, uh, and Jane Austen Lied to Me is the one that will be re-released uh, on June 9th, or sorry, June 8th, and that will also be on Amazon. And then I get to start working on the Smashwords copies, so for people who want, you know, like other formats and other kinds of e-readers and so forth. So I will be, as to where I'll be, beside, I, I actually am going to be in... At the, if for anybody in the Champagne area, I'm going to be at the Public Library on June 1st. Uh, so it's the uh, the first day of, of Pride Month, and A Woman's Persuasion, my the the middle of my three Jane Austen books that have nothing to do with each other. I just keep writing stories. Well, I took Persuasion and um, rewrote, translated it into modern day, which to get the stakes right because you know, oh, a young man without very good prospects. I mean, what? You know, our society is not quite the same. And again, these are very, all the Jane Austen is very current, very relevant. So I, I asked the question, what if it is 2007 and Captain Wentworth was another woman? All of the stakes fell exactly and precisely into place. People refer to it, uh, persuasion as a story about second chances. It's also a story, a very current story about having your family disapprove of the person you choose to love and what are the 
consequences and what are how, how do people suffer when their families are not supportive of their of who they are and is kind of overlooked by her family and there, there's nothing dated about that so because women's persuasion since it's gay month gay pride month so for june 1st i'll be at the um champaign county library uh, reading we're going to be reading selections from the original and then reading my translation of of uh, austin's texts from uh, 1814 to 2007. <laughs> so much fun. And I just have to repeat again, you got to check out Jeanette Watts. You're going to uh, go back in time, but you're also going to find yourself uh, surprisingly in the present. And I think that's such a delightful thing to do. And it's been so nice to have you on. Jeanette, yes. I can't Thank you wait. so much for talking to me. And, oh. um, and everybody, please remember, every time you read a book, go back and write a review. Authors live and die by the reviews. So I'm begging you, please, please uh, take, take a look at my book and then go back and write an on, your honest opinion. Good, bad, and different. Three sentences is a life, life and death situation in our current online universe that we're in. That's a great reminder. And once again, thank you so much. And I, I can't wait for your uh, books to come out. It's going to be so exciting. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed reading my dear Miss, dearest Miss Fairfax. It was so good. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks again, Jeanette. And you have a wonderful evening. You do the same. Thank you so much. We'll, uh, hopefully we'll see you at Decatur. <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us tonight. We welcome your comments and invite you to check out our Wild Women Who Write website. Until next time, keep writing and stay wild.